Y'all seem happy today. What makes you all so happy? Jesus, amen. What a beautiful presence this morning. I just want to thank our praise team this morning because I tell you, we have had some situations this morning. We've had call out six and we have one on vacation. And if you'll just keep Quinn up in our prayers, um, she's at the emergency room right now and they're looking at her appendix. So she might be having her appendix removed. So this team rallied together and they just made it happen, didn't they? And I was so proud of them. You know, just feel the anointing of God, amen, that God can use a rock to cry out. He can definitely use some of these anointed people up here, amen. <laughs> I'm so glad you're all here today. And if you're a first-time guest at Faith Builders Church, we want to say welcome to you. And if you don't have a church home, we like to say welcome home. We're a church that will love you back to life. And we know that there's no mistakes that you are here today, amen. There's a connection card in the chair in front of you. You can take a, some time during the service today and fill that out, put it in the offering bucket at the end, or I'd love to meet you out at guest services this morning and get to know you a little bit, amen. Um, I love that we prayed for Ukraine this morning and um, I have friends there that have orphanages throughout Ukraine and missionaries throughout Ukraine. And I tell you, the Christians are so strong in these troubling countries. It's like they were made for such a time as this. And so we're so thankful for the believers and the miracles that are happening in, in the world today. And I would love to recommend to you, I think as the church, we need to make sure that we're discerning the signs of the time and the times that we're living in. And I don't talk much about, um, you know, politics and world events and all that's going on because I believe my mission is to declare the word of God and lift up the name of Jesus. But I also want to know and, and remind you as a church that the church is strong and God still has a plan for the church. And if you look throughout scripture, the enemy always tried to come before his time. There's always a counterfeit before the promise. And I believe we're living in a counterfeit season. As your pastor, I want you to know that I believe the enemy is trying to be a counterfeit and show his time. Because I believe the rise of the church is coming. The harvest is ripe. And the church of Jesus Christ is going to do something great. So be careful how much we allow the world to pour into us as believers without allowing the word of God and the discernment of the season that we're really in. And it's a good season. I can promise you that. I would like to recommend a book to you. If you've not ever studied the end times before or you're like, I would never read Revelations, it's scary. If you're that kind of person or if you just want to kind of get to the basics and understand, I will recommend a book to you. And it's called The End Times in Chronological Order. And I love this particular author, and it's not very big. He doesn't go into deep, deep, deep things, um, but he does bring scripture and, it, and things that uh, he talks about, the pre-trib, the mid-trib, the post-trib, and I'm not going into this today, obviously. And everybody feels a little different. If you talk to one school of faith, they believe this, and everybody believes different. But what I love about this book and how he presents it, he's strong pre-trib. And I lean towards pre-trib, but we'll talk about that another day. But he will go through scripture and he'll talk about pre-trib and where the scripture shows. But he'll also talk about post and where that perception is coming from. But then he ties it back to scripture. And then he'll talk about mid and he'll tie that back to scripture. So it's a very easy reading book. I think we, the Bible says if you read Revelations, you're blessed. So don't listen to every preacher that's out there spilling stuff. 
Amen? Because not everybody that calls themselves, you know, that the word of the time is really speaking what God is saying in this season. So be very careful who you're getting your spiritual diet from. Amen? Because there will be a great deception in the end times. You want to make sure that we stick with the word of God. And if you want to know a good preacher to follow about stuff, come see me. I'll recommend some good people that you can listen to that I listen to and I feel is pretty solid in the faith and will keep us on track. Amen? We don't want to get flaky in these last days. We want to stay with the word of God. Amen? Okay, so I'm starting a new series today, and it's a little warm in here. Is anybody just a little warm, or is it just me? Okay. I'm starting a new series today, and all of you are freezing. I'm so sorry, so don't go too cold because the ladies are going to be like, Pastor Barb, I was freezing. So my new series is called Who Am I? And we're going to take the next few weeks, and we're really going to peel back the layers in our life. And I'm not a pastor that believes we should go soul searching and try to dig up things from our past. But I also believe that God wants to reveal things and heal us from things and get some certain things out of the way. And God is equipping the church of Jesus right now. He's equipping us to receive this end-time harvest. He's equipping us to be bold in our faith and courageous. One thing I do want to share with you is we are starting our discipleship training course tonight here at the church, our pastors and elders, and um, we're, we're going to be learning uh, about the discipleship program rooted that we're going to be offering the church here in the fall, and I'm so excited about it because it's really going to bring us back to the principles of our faith. You know, in the church, we can get so deep, and we want deeper revelation, and we want all that deep stuff, and there's nothing wrong with it, but sometimes when we go so deep, we forget the fundamentals, and that's reading our Bible, and that's prayer, and confessing our sins, and forgiveness, and all those things that we all, well, I learned that when I was a babe in Christ, now I'm mature, hallelujah. Well, I think God's calling the church back to the fundamentals of our faith. And so, and that's why I feel this is going to be important um, about really allowing God to take the things that we identify ourselves by, whether the labels of life experience, there's labels that put on us, how people spoke over us, there's experiences we've gone through that really have been a filter of our faith. You know, you can receive the word of God and the truth of God's word, but what happens is we have filters of our past experience. And everything that God says in his word, we put through the filter, and it diminishes really the power of the word of God. And so what I want to do is let's expose some of these things that we're going to talk about, and let's get rid of those filters. Amen? I've had many filters in my journey of Christ, disappointment, anger, you know, where are you, God? There's been many things that I've had to get those things out of my heart so that the purity of God's word could really be active in my life. And so we're going to be taking some things over the next couple of weeks and putting them on the altar. We're going to put them on the altar, and we're going to give to God some things that we need to let go of, and we're going to receive what God has for us in this season so that you can walk in your destiny, you can walk in your purpose. Every one of you here in this room has something significant to do for God. There is a purpose of God in your life. You may feel, well, I'm too old or I'm too young or whatever those things. We're going to expose those areas so that you can really walk in courage and what God's called you to do in this season. I know in my walk with Jesus, I literally when God calls me to do something, I have to run at it scared. And there's going to be some things that you're going to do for God and you're going to do that God's called you to do in whatever arena that it's in. You're going to have to do it afraid. And you're going to have to trust God. Things that take our faith, things that rely on trusting God does not usually line up to our emotions. 
Because, well, where's the money coming from and where's the people coming from and who am I going to get connected to? But when you learn to know that God is in complete control and if God called you to it, he's given you everything you need to do it. Tweet that, somebody. If God's called you to it, he's given you everything you need to do it. And so we're going to be highlighting those things. In this room, every one of us are a different place. Some of us may think too highly about ourselves. You know, I was the baby girl, so I always thought I was the princess everywhere I went in the world. It was all about me, and I learned very quickly it's really not all about Barb Pruitt. And that was extremely disappointing because I really thought that it should be. <laughs> And then some of us in this room might think lowly of ourselves through life's challenges and disappointments or the way things spoke about you. So let's talk about what we're going to be laying down over the next four weeks. This morning we're going to talk about our feelings of inadequacy. And I think that is such a huge factor in many of our walk with Jesus Christ that we don't feel adequate. Next week we're going to lay down our need for control. I know nobody is controlling in here. Nobody wants to have control of your life. You're all fully surrendered to the Lord. I know that. Take good notes and you can use them for your friends and family. But we're going to talk about letting go of control and really trusting God. We're going to talk about our right to be offended. How many has ever been offended in here? I could raise up all hands and feet in the air if I could. Then we're going to talk about laying down our longing for approval. And these are the four things that God gave me that I really feel are like the biggest things that if we can lay these things down to God... You will be doing things for God and in your life that you never thought you could do because you're going to learn to lean on God and who God says that you are. The quickest way to forget what people think about you is to be obsessed by what God thinks about you. Isn't that good? Let's get obsessed with what God says. What does his word say about you? That should be your mission over the next few months is find every scripture that talks about how good you are, how great you are, how God sees you. I have a confession book on Amazon. I think it's either free or 99 cents. So, you know, get online and get it because it's confessing the power scriptures. And it's all in first person. And you're taking the word and declaring God's word for yourself. Many times when we read the word of God or in service, we're like, yeah, that's for everybody else, but God doesn't really have that for me. We eliminate ourselves from the very work God wants to do in our heart and in our lives. So let's get obsessed with what God thinks about us. These feelings of inadequacy. Maybe you're here today and you don't feel successful. And your life doesn't look like the way that you thought it should look like. Or maybe you're looking at the house that you're living in or you're desperately trying to buy a house and it seems like you can't make that happen. And we're feeling inadequate. You know, we may, we may see things where we, how many have that friend in your life, like they've always, for the girls, they've always got the perfect nails and their hair is perfect and their life looks so glamorous. And you're like, if I didn't know you, I would not like you. <laughs> Do you ever have those people in your life? Like, their life is so good. You're like, I'm glad you're my friend because I would ha hate to not like you. But how many just look at people, man, they're so spiritual and they know the word of God and they've got the fruit of God working in their life and they can quote the scripture of God. You ever been around somebody that can pray so good? And you're like, God's definitely going to answer their prayer because I would answer it if I was God, you know? And you feel like your prayers are insignificant and you don't know the word of God and... 
you don't know enough. And I will tell you as a pastor and God calling me into ministry, and I think I'll share one of my stories as we go on in the lesson this morning, but you're always going to face inadequacies. The enemy is going to make sure that everything you feel about yourself, everything that someone has spoke about you or this inner voice on the inside of you will scream louder than what God's calling you to be or do. And you're going to have to lay down these inadequate feelings on the altar of Christ and say, that is not who I am. That is going to die in 2022, and Jesus is going to resurrect in every area of my life this year. Amen? So being an inadequate feels in insufficient for a purpose. And if there's any stagnant place that the enemy can get us to is to feel like we don't have a purpose. And that's why people who are retired, they get old very quickly, their body gets frail very quickly because they don't have a purpose when they wake up. And to see these beautiful people out volunteering in places and being active is so good because you are called for a purpose. And you would become inactive in your life and miserable if you're not waking up to whatever your purpose is. Not what somebody else's purpose is. You do not want my purpose, I promise you that. I'll just tell you straight up, don't ever be a pastor. <laughs> I was going to say that next, Pastor Paul, unless you're called. I've heard pastors tell their kids, do anything else but pastor. Now, obviously, the calling's going to rise. You know what I'm saying. But do your purpose. Don't try to fulfill somebody else's. The moment you try to be a bird in, the, in a fish's realm, you will drown. And if you're a fish trying to fly, you will dry out really quickly. Flourish in the realm God's called you to, and you will blossom and you will live in your purpose to be who God's called you to be. So I'm going to um, build a little platform here this morning before we go further, but why do we feel inadequate? I put together three things. I'm sure there's many more reasons, but one of them this morning is unfair criticism. We feel inadequate because we've had unfair criticism in our life. I know my dad, when he was a little boy, he was five years old, and unfortunately his father was an alcoholic and not saved, and he would look at him and say, you're worthless, you'll be nothing, you're good for nothing, and that little boy had to hear that unfair criticism, but coming into Christ and learning who he was, he began to fulfill the purposes of God on his life, and so you may have had the voices in your life that says, you'll never amount to anything. Or you're a disappointment, or why can't you be like so-and-so? Or maybe why can't you be like your big sister or your little brother? Or There's all this criticism that happens, and I begin to look at um, people that have been t attacked or criticized over consistently in their life. There's a pattern that happens in the internal voice of them. If there's been constant criticism growing up or in situations, a person like that could become defensive in their life. So we put up a wall of protection like nobody's going to get in. I'm not going to trust anybody. I can't give my heart to anybody. And we become naturally defensive because we don't want to be hurt. And we don't want to be criticized. And we're hiding this wonderful, beautiful person that God created on the inside of you because we are afraid of what other people might think about us. And that's why I said you got to do things scared. I had a girl come to me once and say, I was talking about a drummer. She's like, I bet you can't drum, be a drummer. I'm like, bet I can. And guess who learned to drum? This girl right here. I'm horrible. I go way too fast. But guess what? I learned to drum. you got to do things scared. Don't let people de determine what you're going to be and do by what they think about you. 
Show them the opposite. Show them I will be loving. I will be forgiving. I will be successful. I will have a great nature or a great marriage, not because of me, but because of the great I am in my life. And you can have all those benefits of the word of God if you will get rid of the voices of criticism. Another one is depression, anxiety, stress, loneliness, and all these experiences of criticism becomes the hard drive of our life. And every time there's a situation, yep, told you the church was going to hurt me. Told you that person was going to betray me. And the enemy has all this criticism on the inside. And what we've got to do is I'm going to burn the hard drive of my past. And I'm going to download the word of God. Devil, you're not going to use the bad voices, people's opinions against me anymore. I will not let criticism be the ruling force of my life anymore. You've got to take control of your life. And you do it through the word of God. There is no other force that can change you. Counseling is awesome. I've done it. I have, I have sisters that I pray with. That's all wonderful. But what will really change the DNA or your thought process is going to be the word of God. Amen. And so what happens when we face a situation, we immediately tap in to those feelings of inadequacy. And all of a sudden, if God calls you to something, God gives you a great friend, God gives you a potential helpmate, or you're in a marriage, you tap into the inadequate feelings of, I don't know how to be a wife, I was never shown how to be a good wife, and all of a sudden you go, I'm not capable of whatever God's calling you to do. When the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, no matter whatever happened in my past, I can do it. Amen. You can do it. All right, number two. First one was unfair criticism. The second one is the polar opposite of unrealistic compliments. Maybe you were the golden child in the family and you could do no wrong. People have told you, you're amazing, you're the best, and maybe you got the good grades, and maybe you did have some success in your life. But all of a sudden, there's this fear on the inside of you that goes, you see me this way, but I feel so different. I feel like a failure. And so we face rejection all the time, so we go, I would rather not try it because I'm afraid of letting them down. I would rather not step out because what if I do and I fail and everybody knows that I'm not really who you think I am. My parents are my greatest cheerleaders. They just think I am the cat's meow. Thank you. That was nice, Pastor Bob. You know, but they, they have great expectations of me. But, boy, there's sometimes I feel inadequate as a pastor. Boy, do I, do I have the wisdom? Do I, do I have what it takes, God? There's these questionings that go on. And what if I try and I fail? But you know what? You just do things scared. And say, hey, if God told you you can do it, you can do it. If God says you're going to write a book, write a book. Find out a way to make it happen. You know, get around people who will cheer you on. We were meeting with some pastor's wives, and this lady said she had a book for 10 years that God's been giving her. I'm like, 10 years? It is time to get that book going. And so we helped her strategize. We helped her, let's do a podcast. Let's do one chapter at a time. And, and we gave her strategy to make that thing happen. There's things God called you to do. Maybe you want to be an entrepreneur. Maybe you want to start your own company. Maybe you want to write children's curriculum. I don't know what's on the inside of you, but God does. And you can't let the feelings of inadequacy hold you back from God's very best. Amen. So it could be the opposite side. I remember... Um, a pastor that inherited his father's church. His father had passed away. It was a big, beautiful church. And all of these big league preachers he got connected with, and they kept saying to this young pastor, you're the next best thing. 
You're the next best thing. You're going to have the biggest church in the valley. And I remember hearing the church, yeah, praise God. But something inside of me went, that's really not healthy to tell a young preacher that. Because the next best thing is the person that comes in and gets saved and comes to Jesus. And this young man was not ready to hear that he's going to be the biggest thing in the world. And because his character couldn't take him where God wanted to take him. And because of this false illusion, how amazing, amazing, instead of be thankful for the moment of where he was at, and unfortunately, an infidelity happened, and the church dissolved and no longer exists today. So we have to be careful that we're not so, like, I got this thing, I'm called, I'm anointed. Well, it's probably true, but it may not be time yet. you got to have realistic expectations of who God really is in your life. I learned this leadership principle a long time ago that if God calls you to something up here, but how you see yourself is down here, you'll never make it. So you have to raise it up here. So whatever God's called you to and it seems bigger than you, awesome. But get that internal self-esteem up there. Begin to tell yourself who you are in Christ Jesus. And it's not about you. If you could realize it's just about the spirit of God living in you. He tells all truth. He leads you in the way of God. You've got the business bar- business, um, best business partner you could ever have. Yeah. Say that ten times fast. That's not easy. Best business partner ever is the Holy Spirit. Bring him alongside of you. And all these decisions say, you favor me. The Bible says you favor me as as a shield. Favor surrounds me as with a shield. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I don't have a degree, but I don't know how you're going to favor me, God, but you're going to put me before kings. You're going to put me before queens. Why? Because you are on my side. Quit getting in the natural and allow the spirit of God to come up in your life. Amen. So deep down, though, when you feel like something, God's called you to something big, deep down you feel like I'm not. So how do I live up to it? So we get paralyzed with fear. And what happens when we get paralyzed with fear? We do nothing. And this great thing that God is setting up for you because we feel like we're going to fail, we sit back on it. And we never step out because we're afraid of whatever that fear is in your life. All right. And they say, I won't try because if I fail, you'll really know the real me that I really feel inadequate, I really feel insecure, and I've learned even in building the church, we're not always going to get it right, but as long as we're following God, and I said this last week, fail forward. So you get out there and you fail. You did it. At least you got off the couch, amen, and you learn from it, and then you fail forward, and you learn, and you try it again. And you try it again, and you know the stories with the sports people, and I don't know, like the guy who created a light bulb, how many thousand times did he try that? Anybody know the answer? Anyone? 10,000, is that true? Jeez Louise. All right, third thing this morning, unfair criticism, unrealistic compliments, and number three, unwise comparisons. This is the largest danger in the world today. I won't even just say the church. because There was a study done because of social media. People have the greatest feelings of inadequacy. It's so dangerous because everybody's putting their best foot forward on social media. It's the best angle. It's got the body app, the face app. I mean, it's all looking good. It's got the great angle. And you're like, I posted my peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I was proud of myself. And then you go through the feed and you see like your girlfriends or guys or marriages, they're out in Hawaii eating lobster on the beach and her gorgeous wedding ring is like glittering just perfectly in that photo, right? And you can begin to compare yourself and you're like, why try? 
Why bother getting out there because you're seeing all the best in front of you and there's no real reality of life anymore? Because behind every great picture that we post has problems. Behind every great marriage that's on the beach in Hawaii with the fancy rings, they're probably fighting in the condo on the beach. Come on, let's just get real. You don't stop fighting because you're in Hawaii. It probably escalates, actually, to another degree. So just go, I'm so glad you're having an awful time in Hawaii. You're like, their vacation is awful. I know it. <laughs> Makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves because I'm not in Hawaii, right? So what happens? I have no vacations. I'm not popular. I don't get all the likes. on That was a really good post. It only got 10 likes. And so-and-so got 50,000 likes, something that was kind of stupid anyway. So what happens? We compare their highlight reel with our behind the scenes. And we compare. And comparison will steal your joy. It will steal your, steal your peace and your homes, your, your hope and your dreams. Amen. And you look at, man, they've got great kids. And they're worshiping at a great church. And everything is so beautiful. And you think, I'm not as spiritual as them. And I, I don't have all that God has that they have. And we eliminate ourselves from the great things that God has in our life. Our inner me starts to tell us what we are. Your inner me will always speak first, and it will tell you you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you could never do that thing, you will fail. But God wants to tell you what you are. God wants to tell you that you are an overcomer and that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and that you are the head and not the tail. And everything my hands touch will be blessed and prosperous. Amen? Because that's what God has for you. So we're going to look quickly this morning at the story of Gideon. And I want to tear a little bit of this story apart. And I know it seems like our go-to story, but I'm going to show you some perspective that I think will really help and enlighten us today. So we're going to lay down our feelings of inadequacy. So let's look at Judges. And we are in chapter 6. And we're going to look at verse 11. It says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak tree in Ophrah, that belonged to Joash the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. If you could leave that up there for just a minute. I want to look at a couple things in this story. Now, we know that this was Gideon, and he was oppressed by his enemy, the Midianites. And every time they would sow, the enemy would come and steal. Have you ever just tried to get a little ahead with God, and the enemy is right there? Like he just starts, he's on your tail every time you're trying to get ahead and he pulls you back two notches. Well, that's where Gideon was at. And so he was so fed up. But if you look at this scripture, he said, the angel of the Lord came down and sat under the oak tree. That oak tree is called a terebinth tree. And if you study the terebinth tree, the terebinth trees grow alone. They're a singular tree all by themselves. And what happens is when we get feeling insignificant, and we start feeling like a failure, and we're not good enough, and life happens, we find ourselves all alone. We pull ourselves out of the local church. We pull ourselves out of fellowship. And that's right where the enemy wants you, is to be all alone. Because you'll be like Elijah in the cave. Woe is me. Everything's against me. And the enemy can tax someone that is alone. 
We need community. We need relationships. We need love from one another. Amen. We need the iron sharpens iron. And the enemy would love to separate people and put them all by themselves. So this is where Gideon was at. And instead of being out in the open air in high places, because the wheat is a place that you throw up in the air in a high place, you allow the wind to go through it to remove the shaft. All the bad so that the best can remain. And yet Gideon was living in a low place. And that's where the enemy keeps so many of us. We're living in this lesser than place. We're living in a place that is hiding. Well, if I can just abide my time, if I can get just enough, if I can hide this from the enemy in the world, then I can just survive. Instead of living in your elevated places, that you've been resurrected to the right hand of God the Father, that the enemy belongs under your feet. We've got to get out of the lowly places and rise up and be God's sons and daughters. Be the kings and priests he's called us to be. Amen. No more hiding in shame. No more hiding in the past. It's time to have a coming out of the closet party. Amen. Coming out for Jesus. Coming out in who you are in Christ Jesus. And if you look at the word Midianites and you, and you study it, that word means strife. Anybody who is living in a less than, you're, you're frustrated and you feel inadequate and you feel like a failure, you are not only living an external strife with probably many people, but you're living with an internal strife. There's this battle and torment going on on the inside of you, and you can't find your footing. You can't find your joy. You can't even find God's presence because the enemy's got you all in this strife in your emotions and making you feel like you're not enough and never going to be. And that's what the angel of God is really coming to Gideon. He saw more in Gideon than the position Gideon was living in. And we'll, we're going to see that, and many of you know that. But Gideon was at the bottom of the wide pr wine press, afraid of his enemies. So let's look at verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You need to know this morning, God's not a respecter of persons. The Lord is with you. The Bible says he never leaves you and he never forsakes you. Oh, well, God is for the super spiritual people. No, if you look at scripture, God actually picked the most craziest people to follow him. They were wild and crazy and mouthy and rebellious. You are not eliminated. God is with you and what he's called you to. He will never leave you. Amen. There's nowhere we can go from his presence, the scripture says. How high and how deep and how wide is the love of God. We feel eliminated, so we feel like God is there. But God says, I am with you. And he said, mighty warrior. He didn't say, if you'll get up, Gideon, get out of this pit, you'll be a mighty warrior. He said, no, in the pit. In your scavenging to, to find some fruit in your life, you're still a mighty warrior. See, when God looks at you, he sees the warrior on the inside of you. In your inadequacies, in your fear, in your failures, in what people spoke about you, God still sees the mighty his spirit in and on you. The word a mighty warrior is a, you're valiant. You're a champion and you are strong. I want you to know this morning, you're stronger than you realize. There's some things God called me to do. There's seasons God had me to walk through and go, I can't do this season anymore, God. I can't do it. I'm done. And God's like, oh, you got a little bit more left in you. 
You can do this. You're stronger than you think. And on the other side of this, just watch and see what I will do. Amen. You're stronger than you think if you'll stay focused, stay in the game. Amen. Stay in the race. He didn't say, you, you loser, Gideon. How did you end up there, Gideon? You're a mighty warrior in the army, and yet you end up here. Where's your people? You lost all your people. He, didn't, he wasn't sarcastic or demeaned Gideon. Still called him the way that he saw him. The Lord saw something in Gideon that he didn't see in himself in that moment. Gideon had been a mighty warrior, but he was in a moment where he didn't look or feel like one. And maybe that's us today. Maybe you don't look or feel the way that God sees you, but God says, I see you as a mighty warrior. I see you in your future. I see you successful and blessed. I see your life happy and your marriage blessed. I see your children serving God. God sees the very best in your life. And look at verse 13. What did Gideon say? But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our father told about what he, what they, excuse me, father told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us into the hands of the Midianites. What happened? He wanted to see better for himself, but he felt abandoned by the Lord. Well, where is God? If he said all this, if he had all these promises, if there was all this breakthrough, where are you, God? And I don't know if any in this room has ever said that prayer before. Where are you, God? Why am I not healed yet? Why is there no breakthrough? Why am I feel like I'm still spinning my wheels in the dirt and the mud of life? And what happens is when God doesn't reveal or show himself maybe the way that we want or the time that we want, we feel abandoned by God. And we wonder why we can't step into the greatness. We wonder why we can't do what God's called us to do because the one that we love and trust, we feel like has left us behind. And so we go, why try? And a person with abandonment, it's, you feel deserted and you feel forsaken. And so when we feel abandonment, even in the natural, we, we, um, there's tendencies that we feel on the inside. And one of them is we have a desire to please. You know, we do too much. You know, we, I got to be active for God. I got to do, 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 because I got to please my God. I got to crawl through broken glass and I've got to uncover every stone because I got to please my God and make him happy. I got to fast 70 times a year and I got to, all those things are wonderful. But do I feel more abandoned that I'm trying to get pleasure from God and proof that I love him and he loves me? Or am I just in the acts or the emotions or, or jealousy happens in our life? I learned this, that whenever jealousy comes in my heart, it is because I feel like whatever God gave them, it's never going to happen for me. So whenever jealousy triggers in your heart, just realize you feel like God abandoned you. You feel like, oh, God, you can bless them. So we get jealous. In reality, we're like, well, I would love to see God bless me. So we feel like he's left us behind. Or we have a trouble trusting. We're feeling insecure or we feel the need to control or be controlled, and that's on part three. But you can see where our internal hard drive is struggling with things if we've lost faith and trust in the only one that can do and get us to be where we need to go. And we've got to get back to putting our trust back in God, just like Gideon is about to do. So in verse 14, the Lord... Jehovah, the one, turned to him and said, go. He didn't even address whether he answered him or not. He didn't address any of his inadequacies. He said, go. 
He said, go, wow, in the strength that you already have. You already have everything you need to do what God's called you to do. God is not saying go and try to uncover and discover. He says just pick yourself up and go and know that I am with you. I'm on your side, amen. Whenever God calls you, to, um, calls or empowers you to do something, your external, external enemy will tell you everything against you. And the internal enemy will often play on the negative messages that have been conditioned in my heart. So we have these conflicts of interest going on on the inside of us that is holding us back against God's very best. If you look at Moses... Moses was called to lead the children of Israel out of captivity. Now, we've heard that story. We sung about Moses. So, yeah, we know Moses was a little afraid. No, Moses wasn't a little afraid. He was a lot afraid. And he didn't want to do it. God saw something in Mo Moses had just killed a man. And God called him to lead the children of Israel to do something that's never been seen or done before. And Moses said, I don't want to do it. Because Moses felt small on the inside. He felt insignificant on the inside. But God says, I see you anointed to lead them into the promised land. You have everything you need, Moses, to do what I've called you to do. But do you know when he made a complaint to God and said, well, I don't have good speech, God. I'm a stutterer. God provided Aaron, his brother, to help him along the way. But the Bible says that God grew angry with Moses. And it, literally that word angry means his nostrils flared. God was angry. Why? Because there was so much potential in Moses. It was unlimited. When God saw him, God saw greatness, and he was frustrated that Moses couldn't identify that the God he served was more than enough to get him where he needed to go. We limit God in our life. We limit, and we think, well, that's for somebody else, or I've already missed my time, or whatever it is. And God's going, wait, I have treasures in you. I have so, my brother said this line many, many years ago. He said, the best treasures are lying in the graves. It was people who never tapped into their God-given potential. And they died and they missed the greatness of God and the things that God's called them to do in their life. So even Moses struggled. The inner message told him he's not good enough. Now look at verse 16. It says this, and the Lord answered. This is the key to the message. I will be with you. You want to write that book? God will be with you. You want to have a great marriage? God will be with you. Whatever you want to do in life and whatever mountain that God calls you to, God will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites together. Now remember, we're talking about the inner us in this example of the story. God says, I will go with you and you're going to strike down that strife that's on the inside of you. Those voices that are talking negative against who I've called you to be, you will strike them down. The enemy will be defeated before you. How many of you need the enemy to be defeated in front of you? We need the inner voices to stop, to shut up in our life so that we can do who God's called us to be. And we can eliminate the strife that we're causing out here because how many know when we're frustrated, we have strife in relationships, friendships, and marriage, and probably in our workplace too. So God says, I'm going to be with you. You're going to lay your inadequacies down to me, and you will defeat the Midianites. Our goal in this next few teachings is to become who God's called us to be. Let's become who God's called us to be. Very quickly this morning, three things you need to know about this story. We're going to break it down very quickly. Number one, 
and we've touched these briefly, but number one, God's view of you is different than you think. God's view of you is different than you think. God sees all his greatness on the inside of you. When God sees you, you are his kid. He sees his spirit, he sees his anointing, and he sees his image on the inside of you. God was a creator. You have the creator of the universe living on the inside of you. You are capable of doing more. Amen? Everything the Lord says. So look at verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. It was that potential on the inside of him. There's something that God wants you to do that's going to blow your mind. There's a place God wants to take you that's going to blow your mind. But you're going to need the courage of God to do it. And know that God sees something in me that is beyond what I can see in myself. And I remember when we launched my dad's church in Beloit, Wisconsin. And I did like all the, um, I did like the, back in the cassette ministry days. Anybody remember cassette tapes? Probably. I ran the cassette ministry tape for a little bit. I did all these ministries. I did the children's ministry, which I loved. But then God seen in my future that I was going to be a youth pastor. I could not stand teenagers. I love my babies in the children's room. I love my babies. We taught them to pray, lay hands on the sick. We got a family. We had a revival in our, in our children's ministry. I didn't want to do youth. I thought, I don't like them, and I'm pretty sure they don't like me either. But, you know, God saw something greater in me, and he set me up. And I ended up taking over our youth ministry and the creative of Creative Force back in the day. And, and it became my greatest calling in that season of my life. We went from like 10 youth in that building to over 300 on a given Wednesday night. Revival happened. Kids were giving up drugs and, and getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And there was a revival that happened in a little city called Beloit, Wisconsin. But I didn't see that in my life. I'm like, I don't want to be a youth pastor. I don't want to be ordained. I don't see myself able to do those things. But if I never would have done it scared, I can promise you I would never be on this platform today. Even though the Lord saw me pastoring and I had a desire to passion, but if I didn't do things scared when he called me to do them, I would never fulfill what God had in my life. And then I could look at my future 20 years later and go, see, God had nothing for me. And God's like, wait a minute. I called you to be courageous here. I called you not to worry about being a female pastor back in 19, whatever day it was. It would have been the early 1900s. We believe in reincarnation in here. It's okay. We don't. I'm just kidding. What a we started our church in 1989, so the 2000s. There was only two female youth pastors in the world that I'm aware of. One was me and one was Christina Kane. And we all know Christina Kane and what God did in her life. So there will be things that God will have you to do that you don't understand. And it takes sacrifice and it takes commitment and it might take your time. But it will be the greatest thing you've ever done. Because you did it for Jesus, amen. Like I said, do things scared. I run at things scared. I run and I'm scared. I'm screaming, this ugly scream, and I'm terrified. But boy, God shows up every time. He's so faithful. And it may be to share your faith. And it may be to gather a few people around and share how Jesus changed your life and win your friends to Jesus. Yes, it's scary. And you think, well, what do they think about me? And they know I was a loser and they know I made mistakes. It don't matter. Do it scared. Because God sees a mighty warrior on the inside of you. There's something great. Amen. We'll use all these excuses why we can't instead of all the reasons why we actually can. The word says that he is the potter and I am the clay. Mold me and make me. This is what I pray. 
And so that means to be soft and pliable in the hands of God. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his masterpiece. It doesn't say pastors and fivefold ministry are his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. He has created you anew in Christ Jesus so that you can do good things. Listen, he planned for you long ago. You want your own business? God already saw it. You want your family serving Jesus? God already sees it. You're going to need to take some courageous steps to get there, but God already sees it done. Amen. Before you were born, God already put it on the inside of you. If we look quickly, look at Rahab, the harlot. She was a prostitute. When anyone looked at Rahab, they saw a prostitute or a harlot, but God saw a woman that would give birth to the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Man, when, God, when they saw her, they saw a prostitute, but God saw divine potential. God saw a woman of courage. God saw a woman that he could trust. God saw a woman that would follow hard after, the, after his heart. See, people may see one thing, but God sees another. You look at little David, King David. They saw him as just a little shepherd boy, and God saw a warrior, a king. You're small in the eyes of God, and God says, I don't see as man sees, because I look at the heart. People saw an adulterer and a murderer, but God says, I see that he worships me in the field. I see that he's got a heart after me, even though he's fall short in his life. I told you God picked messed up people. Peter, he is the book of mess up. He messed up over and over and over again. I mean, at the cross, he couldn't even stand up to Jesus to a little girl. He denied Jesus. But, but Jesus said, on the revelation of you, Peter, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God used Peter as the voice. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. There was greatness on the inside of Peter, even though he messed up all the time. God's view of you is different than you think. Very quickly, number two, God has given you more than you think. There's so much more on the inside of you. He says to, in Judges 6, go in the strength you have. He didn't say go to school and get ready. He didn't say go confer with someone else. He said go in the strength that I gave you. Now, is school good and all those things? Absolutely. But in the moment that God says go, you don't confer. What did God tell you to do? Go do it. Amen. There is a strength on the inside of you. There's a wisdom on the inside of you. And God has that for your life. Let's look at verse, uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, 2 Peter 1.3. Because I already did all this middle part when I got excited. 2 Peter 1.3 says this. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. God has given you everything you need for this life and for your spiritual walk with him. You know, before you were born, God already wrote a book about you. I've always said this, I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm going to run straight to Jesus and give Jesus a big hug and kiss. And then I'm going to high-five Moses because I'll be like, I know why you struck the rock. <laughs> Not every will get that, but <laughs> Moses disobeyed God because he was frustrated with the people. So I'm going to high-five Moses like I got you, Moses. But then I want to run to the grandstand library in heaven. Because all our books are written there. And I want to flip through my pages. And I want to go, did I do everything Jesus saw me I could do? 
Did I fulfill all his purposes? Did I do the things that were afraid enough and I exceeded the, the abundance of, that the word of God says that I can do and I can be? We need to live like that. Because God has so much more for us up here. And we live so down here. And God is calling the church to greatness. Amen. His divine power has given us everything you need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and his goodness. Don't believe what everyone else thinks or says about you. And let's eliminate the negative talk in our life. And you may say this morning, I don't have any words to say. I could never say that in my life. But you know what? Somebody has to be a good listener. You don't have to be something you're not. Just be who you are. Be your purpose. Be your calling. You may think, well, I'm not an upfront person. I could never do that. That's okay. Because there are people behind the scenes that make things happen. And the Bible says the least are actually the greatest. The servants are the greatest of all. So that's actually a great honor. You may think, well, I don't make fi six figures and, and my life seems worthless. But maybe you're home six nights a week with your children, sitting at the dinner table, leading him in the ways and the loves of love of God. There are beautiful things happening in your life. God has given you more than you think to do what he's called you to do. And number three, it's less about you than you think. Thank God. I am so thankful that the things in my life that has been successful has been because God did it in my life. I could never got to where I'm at in the natural and, and what I do and what I want to do in my life had it not been for thank you, Jesus, that you showed up and your favor was there. Verse 16 says, and the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Listen, there's things that I've been saying that is going to be, you're going to be afraid to do. There's things that you're going to have to step into. When I would um, started preaching the word of God and I would go to big arenas or even just first start preaching the word anywhere, I was afraid. I was terrified. Am I going to remember the words? Am I going to remember my lesson? I was terrified of the people. And I do this to this day. I, was, I step into the grace of God. And whatever I'm going to do, whatever it's afraid, whether it's going into arenas with more successful people, going with pastor's wives that have larger churches than me and more money, whatever it is, there's the inadequacy that wants to scream in all of us. And I step into the grace of God. And you know what I do? I say grace, grace in what you called me to do. Grace, grace over this church. Grace, grace over the plans of God. Grace, grace over your life. Whatever you want to do, you should be saying grace, grace at the job. You may be walking into a job you hate, shout grace, grace. And I'm telling you, every time I step into his grace, his presence is with me. His favor surrounds me. There's a promotion that takes place, not because of Barb Pruitt, but I learned to let go, let God. If you called me into this moment, you're going to be with me in this moment. And when you shout grace, grace, you know what you're shouting? Bless it, bless it. Shout grace, grace to your marriages. Bless it, bless it. Shout grace, grace over your children. Bless them, bless them, God. They're crazy. Shout grace, grace over your job and your businesses and wherever you're at. Shout grace, grace. Because I cannot do it in my own ability, but by the grace of God, I can do all things. God will give you wisdom in a situation. He'll give you the right answer in a moment at the job. He'll give you witty inventions. You don't have to go to grade A colleges. You don't have to have it all. No, God is your best business partner that you could ever have. Amen. It's time to lay down our inadequacies and remove the excuse 
but I can't do it because of how I feel about myself. Why? Because scripture says in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That needs to be our anthem, amen. You can do all things because God is on your side. Let's go ahead and pray this morning. Father, I thank you today for this amazing church. Everyone in this room and everyone watching online, God, I just speak grace, grace over everyone here today. Whatever you called them to do, Father God, I ask that you give them courage and wisdom, connect them to the right people at the right place at the right time, Father God. I pray that they will have the wisdom of strategy to not do or be anything beyond your moment and your time, Father God. We only want what you want, Father God. We only want your purposes to prevail over our life. And Lord, every assignment of inadequacy, we lay it down today. And we say no more to that voice, no more to the external and the internal. And we receive the wisdom of the Holy Spirit today. Hallelujah. I want you just to, just to see that grace, grace coming down on you right now. God, I speak grace, grace over every troubling situation, rejection, fear, the past. I speak grace, grace. Let them walk into your supernatural anointing, your supernatural wisdom and strategy and planning, Father God. And the voices that have been tormenting will just be silent in the name of Jesus. And Jesus, even as the storm was raging in the boat, you told the storm to peace be still. And we just ask that the voices just be still in the name of Jesus. Just silence in the presence of the Lord. God, give us ears to hear what your spirit would have to say. Give us the ears of your spirit, your voice, your wisdom, your direction. We shut out the voices of the enemy, the opposing voices of people, God, whatever it is, we shut those noises out. Let us hear with clarity what you have for our life. And I want to give everyone the opportunity to receive Jesus today. And maybe you're here this morning and you've just wandered back in. It's just your time to give your life back to Jesus, just to surrender to him. Maybe you've been away from the Lord and you just want to come back home and just make things right with Jesus. His love is extended to you today. So I'm going to ask all of us to say this prayer together out loud. Just repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus. I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sin, all of my inadequacies. I release to you today. I lay them on your altar, and I receive all that you are into my heart and into my soul. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. We'll just pray for just a minute. Maybe you're here this morning and you just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I just feel that so strong that you have Jesus, but you just need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to pray with you this morning because the Holy Spirit is a power of God. It is the leading. He is the leading of God. He is the anointing of God in your life. And if you don't have that baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to be filled today. And if that's you, I want you just to wave your hand at me this morning that you need 
need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If that's you, just raise your hand this morning. Hallelujah. I'm going to have you come forward really quick, those of you that raised your hand. Pastors and elders, if you'll make your way. I tell you, God's going to bless you this morning. He's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking in tongues. And just find your way to one of our pastors and elders this morning. And we're just going to allow God's presence to just touch you today. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Anyone else this morning, just come on down. Come on down. If you have Jesus, the next filling is the Holy Spirit, the overflow and the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for those this morning that are coming forward to receive your baptism of, of the Holy Spirit, God. We just thank you for that infilling in the name of Jesus. That, God, you just touch them from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet right now. Let that baptism of the Holy Spirit come with the overflow and the evidence of speaking in tongues, Father God. We just thank you for that this morning. And those of you that are already filled with the Spirit, just pray for them this morning. Give them, the, them this moment to just receive all that God has for their life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you this morning, Father God. We praise you this morning, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to, I want to clarify just a little bit. If you have Jesus, you are filled with the Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is like taking a full glass of water and pouring more water in it. It's the overflow of the Holy Spirit. And there's the evidence of speaking in tongues. And God wants to give you that power today. So if that's you and you want to be filled, I want you to make your way forward so we can pray with you this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How many remember the first time you got filled with the Holy Spirit? Just that power of God in our life. And I know I could have done this after service, but the Holy Spirit said to put him on display right now. I think it's so important that we allow the Holy Spirit to be evident in our services. Amen. It's such a powerful force, the Holy Spirit, in our life. And I know there's some of you who might need to understand more, and we're here for that, and we have information for you. But when God's presence is here and his anointing is here, it's so important that we pull on that moment. Amen. I was a little girl when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I think I was like 10. And the little girl said, well, you're going to speak in tongues now. I go, I am. And she's like, yep, I'm going to pray for you. And I just prayed in my beautiful heavenly language. And I know it's because as a child, you don't have to work through the mind. You just kind of, okay, the Holy Spirit said, let's do this. And I got filled very, very young. So if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, make praying in the Holy Spirit part of your daily walk. Amen. Allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you and stir you up and all the benefits of the Holy Spirit in our life. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you this morning for what you've done and what you continue to do, God. We love you and we just say, Holy Spirit, have your way in and through our lives. And we're always careful to give you the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen, amen and amen.